Hey girl, welcome to Woman Talk to God. I'm your friend and host, Sean Owens. Woman Talk to God is a podcast created for women who see their need for a savior, community, and a place to talk about all things we care about. Thank you for joining us, girl. friends, I am super excited to have my dear sister and friend, Carl Richards, on the podcast. Carl is a woman who truly loves the Lord and loves his word. She is a pastor's wife and a mother of four. Over the past three years, I had the privilege of attending a church with this dear sister, and I watched and observed how she took God's word and prayer seriously. I also noticed how she was very intentional with her discipleship relationships. On today's podcast, we are going to discuss discipleship. Ka, thank you so much for your prayers and support to this podcast, and thank you for making time to chat it up with me today. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's a privilege to be able to be here and to be able to talk about discipleship. It's something that I love and I enjoy, and I want to encourage other women to um, take part in discipleship. Well, it definitely just pours out of you. Um, So let's begin. So what is discipleship and what is its purpose? Um, so I, I like to look at discipleship from two aspects. There's a making of a disciple, and then there's that ongoing process of discipleship. And when you make a disciple, of course, that entails you bringing the good news to them, and they repent and believe in, and believe in Jesus. You know, as it says in Mark 16, um, verse 15 to 16, he says, go therefore into the world and proclaim the gospel and whoever believes will be saved. So you make a disciple of Jesus when you share the gospel and the individual repents and believes in Jesus. And then the ongoing process of discipleship is teaching others to obey and to follow Jesus by the word and by one's life and then teaching them to go and make disciples. So, um, you know, Paul says in Timothy, Paul says to Timothy in, in second Timothy two, two, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And mm. <clears throat> yeah, and I like, I actually like this um, line from Lecrae's song um, after the music stops, where he says, I'm out to take the Bible, create disciples who make disciples, the disciple cycles. Mm. And um, I think another thing too is that with discipleship, I've come to believe that there's a difference between discipleship and mentorship or, you know, a discipler and a mentor. Yeah, that's good. sis. could you mm-hmm. um, even explain the difference of those? Yes. Um, so the, the word, these two words are often used interchangeably, but I'm convinced that it's not the same thing. Um, what a mentor um, does is, is, the way a mentor functions is more of an advisor. It doesn't carry the same weight as what discipleship really is. Um, I I see a mentor as someone who you may meet with once or twice a week at the most, and, and you 
when you meet, you talk, uh, ask each other questions, and and then you maybe read through a book together. But there's really no intentional commitment, and there's there's usually a minimal uh, level of sacrifice and effort. Um, whereas discipleship is more life on life and it takes commitment it takes sacrifice it's something that's up close and personal it's very messy and it's painful and of course you know discipleship has its rewards um but what i'm saying is that when when we look in the bible we see that jesus did this with the 12 apostles and and Paul did it with others uh Timothy in particular so you you just can't teach or show someone to follow Jesus by meeting once a week um mm-hmm. yeah and you know again Paul said to Timothy that you have followed my teaching my conduct my aim in life my faith my patience my love my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings, you know, it's because they live life on life together. Now, can we say this of people whom we are discipling? Um, so this is um, why I see that, that now that there's a difference between mentorship and discipleship. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think just another aspect of discipleship is, is that, you know, the discipler is humbly coming alongside this individual and helping them to look more like Jesus. Mm. And then sometimes we could go in there thinking that, oh, we're going to teach this person something. You know, I've got something to give, which, which in a sense, yes, it is true. But then we don't see the other side of that. That is that in this process of discipleship, God is sovereignly um, helping me to look more like Jesus as well. Yes. And that's one of the things that I um, appreciate about discipleship and my own personal discipleship relationships mm-hmm. is that knowing that we are helping each other to be more like Christ. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Mm. Um, And I think just the last thing about discipleship is that, um, you know, there, there should be a goal that we have in discipleship. And I think Paul communicates this very well in Galatians four, when he says, you know, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. And I, I believe that in discipleship, our goal should be to help and to come alongside this person in order that they would be more and more like Christ. Mm-hmm. How has discipleship um, impacted your life? Yeah, so you know, just to share a couple of practical ways that discipleship has been a part of my life is um, there was a time where my husband and I, we 
moved in two guys that my husband was discipling and they lived with us for a year and a half and we just did life and discipleship with them um, throughout that year and a half and had just heard great testimonies from them about how much that had affected them and helped them um, in their walk with the Lord. Um, that was one way. Another way most uh, recently has been just, you know, a sister who moved in and, and stayed with us for, you know, about three months, living life with us, um, doing intentional discipleship. I also, you know, invited her into my life. I, I We studied the word together. We even took a class together and we even traveled and went to, you know, to do some workshops together. Um, and then, you know, just one last uh, ex uh, practical testimony of discipleship in my own life that has taught me a lot as well is my disciple, when I was being discipled by an amazing godly woman, and she just set a really good example for me of what it looked like to disciple other women, along with my husband, obviously. And, and we didn't live together, so you don't have to always just live together in one home, but we still did life together meaning that we, we lived in close proximity together. We went to the same church. And um, so we were constantly in each other's lives. We met with each other. We studied God's word together. Um, we went to conferences. We went to workshops to study the word together. And so that was just another way of discipleship that I learned um, that doesn't involve actually moving people in with you. Hmm. So those are just, yeah, those are just, you know, three practical examples of discipleship that's um, been in, in my life that has really shaped and molded my view and my experience with discipleship. How long were you being discipled by the lady that you just described? Um, so, you know, when we first met, we, we met maybe about five years ago, um, and we actually didn't live in the same town then, but she was mentoring me long distance, mm. which was just a grace from the Lord. I know that even with her, that that wasn't something normal that she did, but she agreed to, you know, meet with me long distance. So we Skyped and read through books together, talked, um, looked at God's word together, prayed together, different things like that. And the Lord just brought us together and, and, and we lived in the same town and, and same church and all of that. So that was just a work of the Lord. Wow. So eventually you did move to the same town and join the same church that she attended. Yes. Oh, wow. Because I was going to ask, like, how do you see discipleship um, if someone is not a part of your local church? What are your thoughts on that? I would say that as much as possible, that it would be most beneficial and most helpful if it was somebody in your own church, because um, when you join a church, you become a covenant family together. You are involved in each other's lives. And 
you are in each other's community of believers. And so it's, it's a lot more beneficial because then you are kind of organically living life together. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're not in the same church or even in the same, if you're not in the same church, it just makes it a little bit more difficult to, to live life together. Um, because again, Christianity is is a lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say no, but it just wouldn't be the most beneficial you thing. If you can find somebody in your church, I understand that sometimes um, that in, it, within your own church, there may not be that older woman or that um, possibility of being discipled within your church. But as much as possible, that's what you would strive to do. And actually, you know, just to share a quick example is I have discipled um, women who did not go to the same church that I did. But I would tell them that, you know, I'll, I'll meet with you, but I'm encouraging you to find somebody within your church or within your own town to disciple you. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll be willing to meet with you for now. Yeah, you you were still holding them accountable to finding someone in their own church, pushing them to, in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. What do we do with our expectations when it comes to discipleship? So there are healthy expectations and we we should have some expectations. Um, we just have to be careful with those expectations becoming unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So, for example we should expect to see growth in discipleship, but it becomes unhealthy when we become frustrated or impatient at someone's pace of growth. We could look at them and be, and the result isn't where we would want them to be. You know, that, that, then we have to check ourselves. Um, We should have healthy expectations of ourselves as we disciple others. According to scripture, we have certain expectations like knowing the Bible, teaching all that Jesus has commanded. And yet at the same time, knowing that we can't save someone or sanctify someone. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's healthy expectations and then unhealthy expectations, being open with the expectations we have and not holding so tightly um, to what those expectations may be. We should, we should expect there to be hurt and pain and discouragement in discipleship uh, because it should be close. It, our discipleship relationships should be close relationships that we have with each other. And relationships are just in general, because of sin, messy and hurtful in a lot of ways. And when we think about Jesus, you know, Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Um, And and with the Apostle Paul, we see that, that Demas deserted Paul. And in the end, when Paul was awaiting martyrdom, he wrote that 
at his first defense, no one came to stand by him, but all deserted him. And so there should be expectation that that there's going to be hurt and pain to some level. Um, but what we can also expect and be encouraged to know is that Jesus has promised that he would be with us to the end. And so even in times of betrayal or denial, being deserted, um, feeling um, those kinds of things that, that God is with us, that, you know, Paul said, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So we can trust and, and believe and know that, that Jesus is with us. So these are just, you know, some of the, you know, ex- expectations that we can have and expect that though these things seem hard, they are, but there's also great reward in discipleship. How do we continue to see people in light of scripture and not projects, which I think can, which could cause some of the um, unhealthy expectations when we start to see people as projects? What do you think? So I think first, first, we should see ourselves as the chief of sinners saved by grace and continually in need of grace. Because when we, we see this, we see how patient and how merciful God is with us. So good. And this enables us to see grace in others, to be merciful to others, and to be patient with them. Um, we also must see people as people made in the image of God with their own uniqueness their own story and that they have God has a set process for their sanctification and we can't try to um, make things happen and and we need to go about this with a we need to go about this through the lens of of genuine love Um, Because that, you know, love is what will help us to be humble and to seek others' interests before our own and to be patient and to be kind. We look at people in light of the gospel and our goal is that they would look more like Jesus, not more like us, that they would love Jesus and follow him. So I think just some of these things can really help us to look at the people that we disciple as um, not as projects. And it's not like we're, we're there to work on them. We're there to help them. So what are some of the things that you have learned in discipleship? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the key things that I have learned in discipleship is discipleship is often a two-way street. 
I find that I am being discipled in the process of discipling other women. There are so many things that I learn about discipleship and about myself. And I always um, invite the women that I disciple to hold me accountable as much as I hold them accountable for just uh, living and walking the Christian life and being obedient to Christ, that we would both um, be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. Mm. So discipleship is definitely a walk of humility because you're being vulnerable and having to, you know, really expose whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously exposing yourself to another believer. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the biggest things about actually having people live with you is that they see your everyday life. They see when you sin and when you argue with your husband or have a conflict, um, they see all of that. And, you know, again, I, I invite them to, to rebuke me or to correct me, me accountable to uh, just as, again, just as much as I would want to do that for them. Mm. And, you know, accountability really is, it's not even just in discipleship, but it's in just everyday life. Like we want to hold each other accountable. You know, it says in Hebrews that we're to exhort one another daily, right? Yeah. And to hold each other accountable to and so that our hearts would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm. So it's, it's a very important part of Christian life. Yeah. And a, a huge part of how we grow. Yes, absolutely. And we have to be humble enough to, to invite accountability and want it. I think a lot of times there's just, uh, because of pride or whatever else we, we take, um, accountability or correction, um, offensively, Mm. but it's a grace from the Lord. It is. It, It really is. One of the things that I have learned so much in the past four years of being at the um, church that um, I attend is that walking along with someone else, um, not saying that it's it's been all easy because it's definitely Mm -hmm. moments where she's had to correct me and whatever, but I can say that I've grown so much walking Mm -hmm. in discipleship um, relationship other than when I was attending um, several different churches where they didn't have discipleship as their core. And mm-hmm. I was trying to um, live out the Christian life by, on my own. It was so hard. Yeah. Um, but by God's grace, I'm thankful that um, he has called us to discipleship and live with um, one another. Because mm-hmm. definitely in the past four years, I have grown so much just by, again, God's word, but also being able to walk and do life with someone. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the weight that I used to feel on trying to live this Christian life alone. Yeah. Discipleship, you know, again, just isn't one-on-one either. You know, it, it, we see it often done in a group setting in the new Testament. So I think that it could go either way. And yet at the same time, we see in Ephesians where Paul says that, you know, the, the, leaders of the church are to equip the saints for the ministry and that you know we in the church we build each other up and we grow up in Christ and so I think that we cannot grow in our walk with the Lord 
without the church either. Yeah, I so totally we, agree. Mm-hmm. So discipleship, you know, great, you know, if it's one-on-one and, and you can really grow from that and living with each other and living life together. And at the same time, it cannot be void from the local church. Heard people use the scripture, follow me as I follow Christ. Do you think that that scripture is one that um, you should use for discipleship or how do you see that scripture as a whole? So there's this quote from a book called Rediscovering Discipleship, which captures, you know, my thought on this verse and this and this question of follow me as I follow Christ. The author said, quote, it seems rare nowadays to hear someone say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. From 1 Corinthians 11, as followers of Jesus, we should all be able to say this. But if we did, what kind of example would people be imitating if they followed our lives? Would we be ashamed for people to imitate our example of what it looks like to follow Christ or encouraged by God's grace? End of quote. So for myself, this verse is a critical self-examining verse for me because I, I would want to ask myself if I could really say to someone to follow me as I follow Christ. And if I did, what would that look like? So I'm all so it, it forces me to examine myself whether or not my life is resembling Christ's likeness. Um, and then for others, if it's with someone that I'm discipling, I would remind them of my own fallen nature and and to warn them to to not follow anything that is not Christ-like about me, but to only imitate what is Christ-like. For someone who is just seeking counsel on discipleship, um, I would encourage them in their pursuit of discipleship to be patient and to observe a person's life to make sure there's consistent evidence of following Christ and that this person's life is something that, that they would want to imitate. So what I mean by that is that I, I, I wouldn't encourage someone to just ask anybody to disciple you. And I wouldn't ask anybody to just anybody to disciple me, but there would, have to be some kind of time frame to where I've examined this person's life and I see Christ's likeness. I see them following Christ. And there are things about this person that I would want to imitate. That's who I would ask to disciple me. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're saying that and just trying to um, 
think through some things. So we shouldn't, with asking someone to disciple us and af- after observing them, are we looking for someone who looks perfect or, um, yeah. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> um, we would want to look for somebody who, um, evidently displays you know Christ's likeness but a part of um a part of that for us I believe is seeing transparency Mm -hmm. from that person seeing um that person repent and ask for forgiveness um those different kinds of things because we would never want as a discipler, we would never want to give a disciple a false picture of ourselves that we are better than what we really are. So transparency helps to guard us from that. It helps our disciple to see that no, there there is nobody perfect. We are not perfect. We are sinners. I mean, I tell women that I've discipled before that I'm most likely gonna some someday sin against you because I'm a sinner. But when that happens. I want to make sure that I'm going to confess my sin to you and ask you for forgiveness. And she, and she should feel the freedom to come to you. If she's, if she feels that you have sinned against her as well, she should, your discipler should never feel that you have some level of authority over her, that she can't say anything to you. So again, there's just a humility there. Um, We have to be able to just set this example of what it looks like to follow Christ. And to follow Christ, we, we should be transparent and we should be repenting and asking for forgiveness. We shouldn't be projecting this um, idea that, that we're very good. Does that make sense? That was awesome, Carl. <laughs> Thank God for just your wisdom in this area. What is your favorite scripture and why? My all-time favorite scripture has been Luke chapter 7, verse 47 to 48. And I'm going to read it from the CSB version of the Bible. It says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the reason why this has been my all time favorite verse is that when the when the Lord first saved me back in 2009, you know, I, this is how I felt. I felt that I was 
so sinful. Like I had all these sins and, and how could this man called Jesus, the son of God, love me enough to come to me and to forgive me of all of my sins. And that's why this verse has always just been so good to me. And even, you know, the next few verses after that, it says that those that were around began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And it's Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, who loved us and came and laid down his life for us. He left glory and he left heaven and he left all of those things in order to come to us and to die for us so that we might be forgiven and have a relationship with God. I mean, he loved us first so that we can now love and it's just a it's just beautiful to me so this is again my all-time favorite verse and I just want to say that you know if if you're not a believer and you're listening to this you may be like one of those individuals that that were asking and saying who is this man and again, it's Jesus, and you can come to him as well, and you can ask him for forgiveness and believe in him, believe that he came and laid down his life for you, and you can have forgiveness. I'm always encouraged when I hear um, what are people's favorite scriptures and why, and again, I'm just almost speechless after hearing him. <laughs> um, your reason for why and that is just amazing um amen sister thank you again just for your wisdom and for chatting it up with us on today thank you sister sean thank you so much for having me and um it's been a joy to be able to just discuss this wonderful and amazing topic of discipleship with you bye girl bye-bye sis love you love you too Well, until the next time, my prayer is that we continue to see our need for our Savior, live in community, and live a fun, free life in Christ. And because we would love to hear from you, if you have any ideas or topics that you would like featured on this podcast, please connect with us via our IG page or Facebook at Woman Talk to God. Bye, girl!